0: Welcome to the Life of Tea podcast, where we discuss tea as self-cultivation, all the life lessons, zen, awakening, and insights that come through a life of cha-dao. This will be the focus of this podcast developing and cultivating ourselves and our spiritual practice through tea. If you're interested in the more linear aspects of tea, how it's produced or made, you might want to check out our magazine Global Tea Hut, which also includes those topics. If you're interested in the practical aspects of brewing tea, we have a whole series of videos on YouTube called Brewing Tea. Also, You are welcome to come to our center, Tea Sage Hut, here in Miali, Taiwan, and sit a 10-day course where we incorporate all these aspects from the linear to the brewing tea to the spiritual cultivation all together, and you can take a deep dive and immerse yourself and ground yourself in this beautiful practice. We're so excited to have this forum to discuss all the life lessons that we can cultivate together through tea. Welcome, put on a kettle, get out some bowls, and let's drink some tea together.
1: Welcome to the Life of Tea podcast. My name is Janusz, and um, in this episode, first I would like to introduce Morgan Demarks, who will be the co host of the Life of Tea podcast starting from this episode. Morgan has just arrived from California, and will take on the duties of course manager here at the T-Sage Hut. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Morgan.
2: Hello out there. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here.
1: It's great to have you, Morgan. So you have hit the ground running, so to speak. Uh, We're in the middle of a 10-day course at the time of this recording, and you're already doing a lot in terms of um, helping to run this course. What's it like to be throwing the water straight away.
2: Yeah, I just arrived and we are in the thick of a course and it actually feels quite exciting to, um, just dive right in and have the opportunity to be of service straight away. And, um, um, it feels like a great opportunity to just be of service straight away and to learn quickly and also efficiently. And I'm looking forward to, um,
1: this is really hard. <laughs> Keep going.
2: Looking forward to spending more time with the guests and the courses and, um, yeah, getting to know, the center in a much different way.
3: Mm.
1: We are really glad to have you, Morgan, and, and thank you for joining and being the, the co-host of the podcast as well. Our guest in today's episode is um, Erica Hall from Brooklyn, New York. Erica is a filmmaker, educator, the head of a college film department, and among many other things, also an active Global Tihad member. She's here in Taiwan as a volunteer to help serve this course, and we wanted to take this opportunity to place a microphone in front of her face and ask her a couple of questions about building a tea community. Welcome, Erika.
3: Thank you, Janis. I'm very glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: My uh, first question is, why make an effort to build the tea community at all? Isn't it enough to sit and drink tea with a couple of friends on a Sunday morning? In other words, what drives you, what motivates you to, uh, to do this work, to build a community in New York?
3: Mm. Well, uh, New York is a very big place with many, many people, 8 million. And you would think that with that many people, that the community would be easy. Um, that there would be just natural community. And there are in many ways, but um, I guess I felt that uh, I wasn't finding a community for myself um, that was really fully supportive. So um, I think in the past few years, with a lot of the turmoil, I decided to uh, put my energy into building a community and seeing seeing what that could provide for other people and for myself, but really for, for others as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And why tea community? Is it because you yourself just love tea and, and wanted to share that with other people or just find like-minded people or is there, um, is there something else in there too?
3: Well, yeah, I certainly love tea. Um, and Many things that I do in my life are driven to share. That's why I teach. I just want to share, um, share the wisdom that I've picked up, even if it's in the form of how to use a camera. Um, and uh, yeah, I definitely wanted to share tea with other people because while it's really beautiful to share tea with your higher self at home, you know, and and meet that. Um, There's just something really special and supportive and beautiful when you can do that with other people. So, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of, it's really more about sharing the thing that I love.
1: Hmm. Well, like you said, New York is a very big place and um, I've been there a couple of times and it seems really busy and people are always on the go. So I imagine that um, the medicine of tea is really needed need it there too
3: certainly yeah i mean even myself i went to new york to go to college and and then stayed there because there's a film industry and to pursue a career Mm -hmm. you know and so many people are there for careers and while it's great to do something you love um if that's your identity And you get wrapped up in that form of success and that result orientation. Um, It's very unhealthy and unsupportive. And so, yeah, I guess another aspect of building community is to uh, provide that space to slow down, be quiet, and just be. Um, And that's what our tea gatherings are for, is to just show up and just be, and be quiet. You know, it's um, when we have tea. It's often nice to do it with no music, because the city is so loud. Mm. And if we can just be quiet, even if you can hear the noise of the city outside, the fact that you are still, even if that's happening just outside the door, is just such a relief. Mm-hmm. Um, in a in a very mind made world that doesn't. Um, provide a lot of relief it's like um one thing i notice when i walk around new york i take a lot of pictures uh maybe not so much lately but for a long time i've i would just stop and take pictures every time i would see a flower in new york Mm -hmm. and i was able to acknowledge it like oh okay like i know it's this planter and i know it's really like mind-made artificial like you know as far as how it's organized Um, but at least I think a human acknowledged that there's beauty in nature and they're putting that out there. So it's just tons of cement and these big, big buildings, but then there's like little flowers at the bottom of a tree.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, and I feel like the tea community is kind of like that. It's like those little flowers at the bottom of the trees along the streets in New York, Mm. that it's this, um, just little solace little bit of beauty mm-hmm. that's just really healing. Mm.
1: Mm. Is the sprouting of the global teahat community in New York, um, a fairly recent thing, or have you had a, a solid like group of people, uh, getting together for a long time now?
3: Um, for the past few years, um, I don't remember the exact dates, but maybe the past like three years or so, four years. Um, there were a couple of us that would get together. It kind of all started, uh, on my rooftop in Brooklyn. Um, in my last apartment, I I live with Gordon, my partner. Um, we had like a rooftop party just to bring people over and share tea. Mm. Um, and there were snacks and it was fun and there was a nice little tree nearby. And, um, and that's when we met Casey, um, before we had that gathering, we reached out to the hut and asked, who are the members who are in New York City? Because we didn't know any other members in New York City. And so uh, Shun sent us their emails, and Gordon reached out to them, and um, and uh, Casey came, and um, another person as well. Um, but uh, so, yeah, we had that party, little tea party, and then... Very slowly, gradually, we started um, trying to get together more events, and Casey had met Grippo, who runs Poor Brooklyn Tea Shop in Williamsburg, Um, and he has this beautiful space that he was willing to open and share for us to have tea gatherings, and so we started there. And then, you know, it was kind of like the three of us. And then Nama moved to New York and, and we slowly met other people, you know, over time. Um, but it's hard in New York to, it's very slow mm. gathering this community. And at times that can get frustrating. You're worried that community is not healthy if it's just so tiny and it's just not growing and you're worried and you're worried and then you realize like no it's really beautiful that it's it's slow and that's okay because then it can grow strongly mm-hmm. um, so uh, it's getting there I don't know if I have an exact number but there's a there's a core group of people who who are definitely present in the way that they can be
1: mm-hmm So you meet uh, every month or is it more frequent?
3: Mm. So it started out very um, kind of trying to do it on weekends. And then just because the group was small, I would message different people and try to find their schedules. And then eventually the group got big enough and everybody's lives are so busy in New York City that uh, that became too challenging. So then we decided to set a monthly date. So now we have... Um, just a monthly weeknight where we go to poor Brooklyn and get together for tea and drink the tea of the month and socialize and have, of course, few bowls in silence as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Any other activities that you do together as a group or community?
3: Oh, yeah. We do, we do all sorts of things. Um, so Grippo is, and amongst others, but he especially is very good at uh coming up with fun ideas for us to do uh he's such an idea person uh what some of the things we've done is tea outdoors we've done spring water gathering trips that was quite an ordeal in new Mm -hmm. york because so few of us own cars and the best way to get to a spring water is by car most of the time so we all came together and found a way to get a couple of cars to go to a state park in New Jersey and source some clean spring water, and then have tea by a running stream. And uh, now, when I go home, luckily I now have a car, and I want to hopefully keep keep that going, that spring water gathering, to make it more of a regular thing, like our monthly gatherings too. Mm. Um, oh, we've done experiments. That's a great thing about the gathering is that we can come together and we have a set of little tasting cups and we've done water comparison of uh, bottled water, a brand that's very easy to find in New York City versus tap water versus filtered tap water. Um, so that was a fun experiment. Um, and after that taste test, we uh, then brewed our two favorites. Um, two favorite waters mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's a really good thing for we've done other experiments as well. but yeah, it's really fun to do that with other people.
1: Nice. Hmm.
2: Erica, how does living in New York and your exact location in New York combined with where you are in your life, for example, at work or social engagements, um, change the way you approach sort of building and facilitating this community?
3: Well, I live kind of far from poor Brooklyn. Um, Even though it's in Brooklyn and I'm in Brooklyn, it takes me about an hour, sometimes hour and 15 minutes by subway to get there. So going there is not a quick drive. Um, And then there are other people who have to come from like the Upper West Side, and I can only imagine how long that takes, especially with how the subways are in New York City these days. So it's definitely a great effort, um, but it doesn't feel that way because I want to be there. So mm-hmm. it's like, of course I'm going to go. Um, and the nice thing about the subway is you can read on it and, and be quiet and and arrive. But, um, yeah, it, it definitely that distance is hard in New York City. A lot of people's friendships are based on how mm. close they live to each other. Um, and relationships, that's a funny thing in New York City is like <laughs> – some people be like <laughs> like they'll they will maybe go I've heard I don't know I don't go on these things but um, I've heard that they go on dating apps and that they'll specifically say like are you in this area because other like in this neighborhood or this borough because otherwise it's like a long distance relationship and it's like too much work they're not willing to put into it Wow so um, and then I've seen that happen with my friendships too. Um, Someone will move to another neighborhood, and it becomes harder to be friends. So the tea community, definitely, it's, um, that's a very easy thing to slip into in New York City. And I think the tea community, the fact that people do come from all across the city and make that effort, really shows how much they care and they want to be a part of it and how much they love each other. hmm would you say
2: that the gatherings fluctuate in number based on um, the different members' um, locations? and Like you explained, some people have to come to out like make two-hour journeys, 30-minute 30, 30 journeys. Um, that's something that is discussed and something that um, sort of people can help out in some way with in terms mm-hmm. of getting people to the gathering itself.
3: Yeah, that's one thing I'm very mindful of when we're putting together you know, events or times and is trying to find what's convenient for as many or as convenient as possible for, so that as many people can come to make things accessible. Um, there's so many opportunities and so many things to do in, in New York city, but if they're just too hard to get to it, people just can't come. They just don't have the bandwidth. They don't have the energy when they're working so hard just to pay the rent to get by then to like, get them out of their homes on a weeknight, you know, or to after a long day at work. Um, so yeah, accessibility is, is one thing. So trying to get temperature reads and weather reports from people all the time on how they, um, how they feel, what they need. Um, that's something I'm always trying to be mindful of and ask questions and figure out.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you made the gatherings regular? Um, Like, do you meet on the the same, like, say, Saturday, like, the first Saturday of the month, or how does that work?
3: Yeah, so lately it's been the second Wednesday of every month Mm. in the evening at the end of the day when the shop is just, the last couple hours is open. Uh But I'm always listening to what's possible for people. So there are a lot of people who say they can't make it on a Wednesday night. And then if we move it to a Tuesday night, there's a lot of other people who go, I can't make it on Tuesday nights. (laughs) Um, And I worry about that or I've, you know, I've caught myself worrying about that. So then I realize, oh, okay, this is with conversations with other people, too. This isn't me exclusively. Um, But we as a group have um, determined that, okay, we'll have this regular monthly meeting and whoever can come can come. And that's just sort of set in default. So that's Mm -hmm. nice. Um, that no one has to have extra bandwidth to make that happen. It just is. And then um, then I also make the effort to put together things to do on other dates as much as I can. So that's why like a spring water gathering trip will happen on a weekend um, or mm. other things. We'll, we want to try and do little like field trips, little, uh, whether there's a tea related museum exhibit or other things. We're always being mindful. And paying attention to those things to suggest them to the group. Mm -hmm. So we can go have fun on weekends too. Mm.
2: Um, So in terms of like space and resources for the community, you've already touched on the space mostly held at poor Brooklyn. Um, Can you talk a little bit about resources in terms of like how tea and teaware is gathered in the community and um, sort of the nuances around Uh, that experience.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So as I was sharing about the trek um, for me and for others, you know, from their homes, not only is it a long amount of time, but physically carrying things like kettles and teapots is very difficult when you don't have a car Mm -hmm. to have to carry that and put that on your shoulders and then bring that down the stairs in the subway where it's crowded and dangerous and you don't want to break things and you're tired and it's heavy um, it's difficult. So in order to alleviate how difficult that is, um, so that our monthly gatherings can happen more smoothly, we started gathering a community teaware set. So, you know, as people come to our monthly gatherings or other things, if they want to leave a donation, we collect those and we either send them to the hut or we, or we save them up and, and build a community teaware set. So, you know it's very small. We're just starting out. We have um, we have a couple kettles and a burner, and then we have the bowls that Wuda left when he came mm. in June. So uh, we can, if our if we do have a larger group, we do have a set of matching bowls um, and teapots that Petr Novak kindly made for us, lefty and righty. So the lefties aren't excluded. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And you get uh, you get an extra tin from Global Tea Hut every month. To oh,
3: use. yes. So the community does get a magazine each month, and then they're kept sort of as like a little library at the shop. And then included in that um, is an extra tin of tea because if we do have a larger gathering of maybe fifteen people, and we have a larger teapot, it's nice that we have enough tea. Um, to fill that teapot properly to, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, to share as much tea as possible or, you know, more leaves in a bowl or whatever is needed. So, yeah, the extra tin of tea helps us to serve tea to more people when that happens.
1: Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me that um, the biggest challenge in New York is to get people together and work with people's schedules. But uh, what would you say... Is the biggest lesson you've learned during your time of building a tea community.
3: So, yeah, the the schlep is real in New York. Like, every New Yorker knows that. The schlep, uh, you, know, you know what schlep means? <laughs> uh, it, it means... The commute? The trek, a, the trek. The trek. The journey. The journey, <laughs> like you're carrying a bunch of heavy stuff, the schlep. I <laughs> um, uh, would have loved that word when he was in New York, because he was staying with us, and when he did the courses last summer he had to take that long trip with us every day and I taught him the word schlep and he loved it (laughs) 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 Um, so that's kind of a known thing that for me is easy to accommodate and try to make accessible that's I'm definitely showing up for that Um, but I think the one of the much harder lessons for me to learn um, is that just trying to be helpful, uh, without being mindful of the consequences, um, or the impact that it has on other people is not always good. Mm. It's not always skillful, I guess. It's not good or bad. It's just not skillful. So I'm, that's one thing I'm working on is Mm. that there are just so many people have so many different needs and are coming from so many different places. And, uh, I have to be really mindful of what they need and listen and pay attention so that in just trying to get people together, I don't become some sort of martyr where like, I did this thing. Why don't they uh, appreciate it? I thought, oh my gosh, I've done that. Mm-hmm. And so I try to um, set that aside. I'm working on that. Um And so that I can actually serve the community better. Mm -hmm. Just trying to be helpful is not actually that, uh, isn't always the most skillful way to be helpful. When you're just caught up in, let me help, let me help, let me help. Mm -hmm. But stepping back and seeing where you can leave space for other people to step in. Because I will often see something that needs to get done. And then I'll just be like, it needs to get done, so I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm happy to do that, to take that on. But then I realized that I took away someone else's opportunity to serve the community. And so finding ways for people to plug in um, and not doing it all myself, uh, one, it saves me bandwidth and time so that I can eat and sleep. Two, it um, allows other people to offer things to the community, their services, their time, their skills, their love, Um, you know, letting them show their love. (laughs) <laughs> and then, um, oh, and then it also builds sustainability and resiliency in the community mm-hmm. when other people have opportunities to show up and plug in. Um, one, because of the bandwidth that maybe only one or two or three people have. Um, you can't do it all by yourself. Uh, it just doesn't work. It doesn't sustain um, it's too difficult. So you can just do so much more, even if it's so, something as simple as one single monthly gathering. That can be a lot for one person, depending where they are in their capacity and their journey mm-hmm. and their growth and their ability to hold space um, and plan and consider all the little details. So sharing that um, has is something I have to – I've been working on and – and it's really been beautiful to see when I step back and other people step in and show their love and help help grow the community, help sustain it, help um, share tea.
1: Mm. That's rewarding to see, right?
3: It's so rewarding. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. when you're like, oh, this doesn't depend on me. This doesn't hinge on me because it's not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about all of us getting together. Yeah. Um, and doing something better than what one person can do alone. I know that from working on film sets. Uh, of course someone can make a beautiful film by themselves. There, there can be a beautiful, um, one man band, one woman band situation, you know, where they, uh, make a film all by themselves. That's, that can happen. But most often, um, um, a great film is made when the whole crew is on board. Mm -hmm. They all believe in it and they want to be there. They're not there just to make money. They're there because they really believe in the film. So then they're willing to do more to go above and beyond, not just what they're paid to do or what they think their role is. Mm -hmm. And when you believe in that and you have, of course, the skills and discipline to, to meet that, or you develop the skills and discipline along the way, but most importantly, you have to show up and believe in it and see the value in it. And so realizing more and more, being here at the T-Sage Hut has woken me up so much more to what community really is, what it looks like, what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Like I had a sense, I knew community needed to happen, but i didn't i hadn't experienced that before in a deeper way like what that really means so um, so being here at the chat has helped me see what an experience and feel with my whole body what it feels like to to love other people mm. to be willing to die for them yeah so i'm going to go back to new york with that in my heart <laughs>
1: mm, beautiful
3: How
2: has T specifically helped you assemble this community as opposed to any other past
3: community building
2: experiences?
3: So I think the great thing about T community is that it is so much founded on love. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's just love. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. love, love, love. (laughs) Um.
1: Would you say that it's pro something like pro love? as opposed to like being against something something. sure yeah
3: okay so um yeah the it's tea community is so built on love because it's for love it's for something it's for nature it's for connection it's for people for human beings to just be it's for them
1: Mm, and healing
3: and definitely healing so yeah in the past i was part of a few communities where i would show up and try to figure out how i could plug in and it was always difficult because i was doing it based on a place of shame or guilt Mm -hmm. like i needed to be a part of this community um, to prove something to help to because i wasn't enough um, and that the community was built on something that it was against and they would maybe say they were built, mm, they would say words of love, they would try to be kind, but ultimately the kind of fundamental thing that brought people together was their uh, dislike for something else, mm-hmm. whether that, um, well, really for the most part my experience is it was political. Mm-hmm. So in the when the 2016 election happened in the US, I could either keep going that direction of Um, being against things and putting my energy towards that. But it was just full of anger, full of shame. And I had already been building tea community with others. Um, So I was like, well, I can either do that or I, you know, go the political route or I can be for something. I can build something a little more beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, be the change you wish to see in the world, right, To, to create that community that you don't have you don't see and it exists in pockets but um so i intentionally put more of my energy into building tea community after that Mm -hmm. because it felt more sustainable Mm -hmm. there was a lot of guilt and shame around that too that decision but i've let go of that and it's really so nice
1: Mm.
3: incredibly inspiring (laughs) Hmm.
1: Yeah, I guess the the good thing about tea or tea community is you really don't have to bring your views to the tea table, right? You can just sit and drink tea and we can have different views and and we can still get along. And um, at the tea table, nobody or or in the tea house, nobody really cares about, you know, how much money you make or what your political views are.
3: Certainly. And if you stick around long enough, maybe you let go of some of those views too.
1: Mm, Yeah.
3: The ones that are painful, holding you back mm-hmm. from connecting to other people. Mm-hmm. You have these ideas, these ideals, rather than seeing what is. Yeah. And when you let go of those ideals, and you can just accept people as they are so much better. Mm-hmm. And then you can love more deeply because you're not just intellectualizing whether or not they fit into your ideals you can just see where they are in mm. their path mm-hmm. and be like cool hey yeah hey <laughs> friend we met
1: yeah and meet them on a level ground and, and connect heart to heart
3: yeah mm. yeah and that tea community has taught or that that aspect of the tea community that lesson i've learned is going to help me in everything that i do because anything everything you do uh, what is it uh the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, the way I serve the tea community is also going to be the way that I serve my students mm-hmm. at this at my school.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, so kid. you can
1: you can take the lessons that you've learned with tea uh, or at the tea table uh, further. You can take them in the outside life and use them there as well. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and. Um, for anyone who's sounding uh, – anyone who might be skeptical about this, trust me, skepticism, New York bra- uh, New York brand skepticism uh, of like, what is this foo-foo BS, <laughs> you know, um, was definitely something I expressed at times. And it kept me from actually learning and growing. But luckily, I have an orientation towards growth. I'm very thankful to my parents for having – Raised me to appreciate education and learning and growing. Mm. So, um, you know, face face those problems, face those issues, go through them, you know, skillfully, mm-hmm. and you learn through experience how to do that. But yeah, if you, um, yeah, it's not just foo foo stuff. If you actually really listen, you quiet yourself. Um, then you can really learn a lot from tea. Mm. And uh, I don't know who may have originally said this, but this is shared with me once that the, the subtle is more radical. Mm. Um, and I'm still unpacking that, figuring out what that means. But it wasn't, it's, yeah, not about maybe being loud, but actually being quiet. Mm-hmm. And that's a little... Radical being to the root of things,
1: deep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Do you have any suggestions uh, or recommendations to people who are living in cities or even smaller like towns, and and they uh, they know that there's other maybe global tea hub members there, or just people interested in tea, and they would like to start organizing, you know, monthly gatherings or or just build a, a tea community, like what would your, what were your recommendations to those people be?
3: Sure. Um, I'm actually working on writing an article that'll go on Global Tea Hut Magazine in a future issue with practical tips on how to do this. So I can't necessarily list them all off the top of my head at the moment, but I would say first start with listening and observing what the community needs, taking temperature reads and little weather reports on what other people need, if it's about accessibility, if that's an issue in your community, um, if they need more quiet, or if things are too quiet and they need a little excitement, what is what does that community need? Um, what does your, your place generally do? And then what can you do that's the opposite? Or maybe not opposite, but just different, middle, ground, something else. And then, so listening and observing to see what the community needs. Um, in my case, is always just trying to make things accessible. How can you reach out to people? How can you let people know that you're gathering? So going on to, of course, the Global Tea hut app and posting events. But then reaching new people... Um, We also have a Global Tea Hut New York Facebook page so that other people can happen upon us. So whether it's Facebook or another whatever platforms, Um, it could be a community bulletin board. It could be a cork board somewhere at some local like food co-op or who knows. Hmm. Um, But putting out flyers uh, if you want to go analog with it (laughs) Um, and just how to reach more people and so that newcomers can also find tea as well mm-hmm. and then um once you build a little bit more of that core um one thing that we've done is have a google group and it's a, like a community email thread where you can just email a single email address and it'll go out to the community so your email gets added to this group and then um you know, if you want to organize a gathering or have some people over for tea or go to a museum exhibit or do something, you can message on there. And then, of course, people can say, hey, yeah, I want to go or or hey, I can help with, you know, schlepping stuff to the park <laughs> to, right. so we can have tea outdoors. Um, it's a really great platform for that. So different, you know, of course, the app that people already know about Global Tea Hut, the um uh facebook page or some other type of social media to reach new people and then also a more private group where not that anyone's excluded but just that the people who are plugged in a little bit more can communicate um off of the public sphere and whether that's a whatsapp group or a google group or some group yeah (laughs) Uh
1: great um so, Morgan, I'm also actually interested. I know that there's a big tea community in Los Angeles as well. Now, listening to Erica um, talk about some of the challenges and, and how the community operates in New York, would you say that uh, the, the tea community in uh, LA is fairly similar to New York or is there big differences between the two? And if there are differences, maybe you can mention, like maybe the challenges are different or, or maybe the way the uh, maybe the way the global tea community operates is just different.
2: Um, I would definitely say that in some ways, the community shows up in a similar way. Um, Los Angeles is very vast in a contrasting way. Uh, we, there aren't a lot of people coming from far away and if they are, they have a car, so it's a much easier commute. However, I would say one of the bigger challenges in LA is uh, more the consistency of the the people are flaky. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really want to say that, but <laughs> it tends to be, you know, sort of a, it- a flavor in LA. Unfortunately, in terms of um, commitment
1: is it because people have a lot of things to choose from what to do so they they try something out but they don't they're not very consistent they just like keep trying different things or or why do you think that is
2: um absolutely i do think that that has something to do with it and in a place like LA there are endless things to participate in in terms of going deeper and spirituality and healing. And I mean, the modalities are endless. And it's like, you wake up and it's Saturday morning. And it's like, oh, do I want to, you know, have tea this morning? Or do I want to go to yoga? Or do I want to have a Reiki session? Or do I want to meet with my shaman? You know, it's just, <laughs> it's a, it's very, very different from New York in that way. So I think that has a lot to do, or potentially has a lot to do with the lack of consistency, but what I will say, which is so beautiful and inspiring about the community that does consistently show up, it is just so strong and, and we are so bonded and um, it, the, the space really sort of mirrors the space here uh-huh. um, and that feels, uh, you know, it feels so good to, to want to continue to grow that community from the inside out when you have the core um, as solid as it is.
0: Mm.
1: Beautiful. Um, well, that's all the time you have for today. I want to thank you so much, Erica, for sharing um, your insights about community building in New York. Mm, I want to thank you, Morgan, for joining me and being my co-host mm, thank you. <laughs> um, for this episode and, and for the many episodes to come. <laughs> thank you, listeners, for listening to this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. We would very much like your feedback as well. Either send us emails or post something in the comments or our social media and uh, let us know how you enjoy. This um, particular episode was a little different, maybe less philosophical and more practical. We would love to hear your thoughts on that and uh, if this is something that we should maybe do another podcast on in the future or if there's any questions that came up uh, that you feel that you would like to really get answers to. And of course, like um, Erica said, she's going to write an article about it. It's going to be in the one of the future issues of Global Tea Hut. So um, check that out. That I'm sure that um, it's going to be even more informative and have more practical tips on how to start building your community in your city or town or wherever you are. Thank you so much. I hope to see you in the next episode of Life of Tea. If you enjoy this podcast, then help us reach more people by sharing this episode with friends and family. Your likes, comments, and shares will go a long way and are deeply appreciated. Another direct way to support this project and the free tea center here in Miaoli, Taiwan, that you can come and visit, um, is to sign up for our monthly ad-free magazine that covers all aspects of tea, from brewing and processing techniques, to history, lore, spirituality, and also the community aspect as well. It comes with a beautiful, sustainably produced tea every month. And to subscribe, go to globalteahut.org. If you're looking for more tips on linear topics like how to brew tea better, then perhaps go and check out our YouTube channel. That's also called Global Tea Hut. In fact, we actually started a new series on Gongfu Fu tea. Until next time, heat some water, Take out a bowl and some beautiful tea, drink some tea and enjoy.